know last episode, I introduced you to our fifth episode, but it was actually our fourth. So now I want to officially welcome you to the fifth episode of the Wise of STEM podcast, a podcast initiative all about advancing the conversation around diversity and inclusion in STEM. STEM stands for science, technology, engineering, and math. My name is Helen, and my pronouns are she and her. I'm the Wisest Outreach Coordinator, and today I'm excited to introduce to you our host for this episode. If you've read up on the descriptions on each of our episodes, you might have noticed their name in the credits. AJ Stadnick has been working their magic behind the scenes, editing each of these episodes and making sure I sound professional. Well, today, AJ will be taking the lead with interviewing our next guest. I'm super excited about this episode, and I know you will be too. Without further ado, I'll let AJ tell you a bit more about themselves and what to expect in this episode. Hello, everyone. Like Helen said, my name is AJ, and my pronouns are they, them, and he, him. I'm currently the student coordinator for the summer research program and have worked with Wisest for almost two years now, doing anything from editing this podcast to planning conferences. We wanted to do something for Pride Month, and as a queer, transmasculine person, we thought it would be fitting to change up the host a bit. So here I am. For this special Pride episode of the Wisest STEM podcast, I will be interviewing Luam Araya. Luam completed an Honors Bachelor of Science in Biochemistry and is on the way to completing their Master's degree in Biochemistry, both at the University of Alberta. She's highly involved in the queer community and loves amplifying queer voices in STEM. Before I let Luam tell us more about herself, I want to make it known that during this episode, 2SLGBTQIA is replaced with the word queer and queer community. As someone who identifies as queer, I would like to recognize that queer can be a heavy word for some folks, but I also pursue the reclaiming of the word queer in our community. Queer in this context is defined as a word that describes sexual and gender identities other than straight and cisgender. For more information on the history of the word queer, check out the description. As settlers joining you today from the city of Edmonton, located on Treaty 6 territory, we would like to recognize the traditional gathering place of diverse Indigenous peoples, including the Cree, Dene, Dakota Sioux, Blackfoot, Salto, and many First Nations, Métis, Inuit, and many others, whose histories, languages, and cultures continue to influence our vibrant community. As we share stories virtually today, may we honor those that have gone before us and remember that on this land, Indigenous communities have and continue to share stories of culture and celebration. Let us give thanks for the opportunity to do the same today. We would also like to recognize that due to colonization and imperialism, the acceptance of Two-Spirit and LGBTQ individuals have been removed from their unique traditional place within their communities. It is our duty to dismantle our own colonial mentality and learn about the history of the lands we occupy and its original peoples in order to become agents of change and to truly stand in solidarity with Indigenous peoples. So, hello everyone. I am currently sitting with Luam here, and you're finishing your Master's in Biochemistry. So, why don't you tell us more about yourself? Sure. So, hello everyone. Uh, My name is Luam. I use they, them, and she, her pronouns. I'm a second-generation Canadian. My parents both independently immigrated to Calgary from a small country in Northeast Africa called Eritrea. They met in Calgary, got married, had me. That's how I was here. So in terms of like my experience um, in STEM, I moved to Edmonton for university uh, to study biochemistry at the University of Alberta. 
by way of Campus Saint-Jean for a year where I studied in French for a little bit. I really fell in love with the field and with Edmonton. So after my undergraduate degree, I decided to continue on and pursue a master's degree, which always takes longer than you think. So my master's degree took me about three years. So I'll be finishing up hopefully in a month or two. And then I'll be doing a slight career pivot in September where I will still be at the University of Alberta, but I'll be starting medical school. Yeah, like that's super exciting that you're almost finished. Yeah, fingers, fingers crossed everything goes well. So getting into kind of your career path or how you really got interested in STEM, what are some pivotal moments that have inspired you to kind of go where you are today and pursue the route you have? Mm-hmm. I don't know if I necessarily have like one like light bulb moment that I can think of that made me really change up what I wanted to pursue or really like cement a decision for me. I think like growing up, I had a pretty supportive family who valued education. So that was always something like in the back of my mind that I knew I was going to go to university. That was kind of a given for me. But what I wanted to study was a little bit vague up until probably the end of high school. I think maybe going into uh, high school, I was more interested like in the humanities and in the social sciences. And then I got into my grade 11 biology class and learned more about like the human body. And I think it's biology 30, grade 11, grade 12 biology, where you do like work on like organ systems and you learn more about like how the heart works and how like the digestive system works. And I just thought that was so cool. And I was like, I, this is what I need to do. This is what I need to keep doing. But in terms of like a specific event that made me like really switch up what I wanted to do, I think I've been in talks with a lot of other queer people, both like in undergrad and in graduate school. And I think something that we've all really kind of bonded over is the fact that we don't necessarily like see ourselves much in our fields because it's not really the opportunity to talk about um, that sort of stuff. So I think maybe not necessarily like something from my childhood that pivoted me towards like what I'm doing now, but just experiences of going through like undergrad and graduate school have made me um, more cognizant of looking for like community in every step of the way, no matter like what you pursue. Yeah, no, that absolutely makes sense. I guess it pivots each step of the way. I know my plans have changed 18 times in the sense of what you want to pursue and where you go and stuff. The queer aspect of it and like wanting to build that community is a really cool way to be inspired to go that way. You mentioned you met a couple people within that. Do you want to like talk a little bit more about that? Are you still in touch with those people today? Like how did you get in touch with them in the first place? Yeah, so there's a few other queer graduate students in my department, which is kind of a unique experience. It's not the same in a lot of other departments or faculties so I've been very fortunate to not be the only queer student in my department so that's been really nice and a couple people were also in my undergraduate program as well so we've known each other for now going on four or five years it's been nice kind of going through the journey together and I think 
in some ways, queer people tend to gravitate towards each other without really realizing it. Like, I don't think I knew that like some of my friends were queer until probably like two years after I had known them is not something that like we had talked about, but it just happened like later down the line. I'm like, oh, you're queer? Me too. Incredible. But those were kind of the people that I met a little bit more out of like happenstance of just, oh, we met in lecture. But um, in terms of kind of seeking out other queer people in STEM, I facilitated a panel for U of A's Pride Week in February, uh, profiling some queer professionals in STEM. And I was able to meet a couple other graduate students, one in chemical engineering and one um, kind of in my wheelhouse in the Faculty of Medicine and Dentistry who were also interested in creating a sort of panel like that. So just kind of putting out those feelers at like a meeting to discuss U of A's virtual Pride Week for 2021 was how I met quite a few other queer students as well and like the attendees that came to the event and the people that we invited to speak we were able to like form kind of a little group right there which was super nice and was uplifting to see that there are in fact queer professionals who are working in STEM as well not just people who are studying kind of on that same like level as you. Yeah yeah I know absolutely I find that completely true in the sense that I have so many different friends but most of them end up being queer for some reason. You don't realize it at first. Exactly. Even like outside of school, just the people you tended to meet five years down the line, how many of them were queer? A lot of them. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So yeah, uh, kind of back to like your getting interested in STEM in the first place. So you mentioned getting interested in high school and in like bio 30. Did you have like an aha moment in the sense of being really interested in STEM? I think the moment that I was fully convinced that I was in the right field happened relatively late. I was probably was my third year of university, so I'd already gotten through like almost two and a half years of like university science education. But whenever anyone asked me like, oh, what's your major? Uh, for a very long time, I said biochemistry for now, because I wasn't exactly committed to the idea. And like a little bit is the fault, I guess, of the field that I picked. So biochemistry requires a lot of other knowledge before you can really delve into it. Like you don't take, I think at the University of Alberta, your first biochemistry class isn't until your second year. You don't take anything directly related to that for your first year because you're doing all of your foundational sciences. So it was in my third year bi biochemistry like lab course where I finally like figured out, okay, I didn't make a mistake. I picked the right field. I actually do genuinely like this because it was finally like I was able to get some direct hands-on experience with actually doing experiments in biochemistry. So I didn't do any like summer research prior to uh, starting into my undergrad or even at the beginning, like two years, my first undergrad research experience was after my third year. And so really it was that third year lab course that cemented, oh, I actually do like performing experiments. I like doing that sort of hands-on work and I like doing the analysis and seeing like what happened when I grew some cells overnight or what happened when I purified this protein. And so that kind of got me 
into doing uh, an undergraduate research project. So our department had this travel research program where you could go to a lab that they partnered with in, um, I think all of them are in Europe. So I went to Germany and did a research project for a couple months in a pharmacology lab uh, over there. And that was an incredible experience, both in terms of like learning a different culture and like learning about like Germany and learning about German people and experiencing a new place, but also being able to like directly work on a research project and actually see something through from like beginning to end to be like, oh yes, I did this, like I investigated this, which was super rewarding. And the actual aspect of investigation and kind of uh, trial and error that you sometimes have in research was uh, really thrilling to me, kind of like a puzzle that I wanted to solve. And I know that for some people, research can kind of bog them down because you'll do experiments for a week and you maybe you'll have like one experiment out of eight succeed. But I really like that. I think you have like, you know, it's an opportunity to have that ninth experiment be successful. And so I think that's kind of where the tide shifted for me. And then I continued to do research in my fourth year and then got into grad school and been doing it ever since. Yeah, no, that's really cool. I guess it like shows how important that hands-on portion is. For sure. If you can get that experience early, do it. It. I was a little bit of a late bloomer, but those opportunities are available much earlier. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's really cool to go to Germany and do research. That's such a cool opportunity. Okay, so kind of switching gears just a little bit, I guess, back to your career experience in academia. What, what kind of things have you experienced in that? You mentioned meeting a bunch of people, but yeah, kind of what has your experience been being queer? Um, well, to be honest, as far as like my experience of being, I guess, a non-binary person going through STEM, um, there is none right now. I'm not out in my lab at all. So no, no one really knows. I guess they'll find out soon enough, but... Uh, as far as like being queer in STEM, I think as someone who is also a visible minority, I'm also black. Uh, I don't necessarily think of my experiences necessarily as being queer in science. I think of myself primarily as a black scientist because being queer is something that I, at least because I don't look visibly queer, I have to disclose in order for people to find out. But as being someone who is Black, that's not something I can hide. I'm not white passing to the least. So I think my experiences of being queer have been more about seeking out others and trying to find community and trying to feel less isolated as a queer person. I haven't had necessarily any like specifically negative experiences, thank God. A little bit due to, I think, the choices that I made in pursuing graduate studies uh, in a lab with a new supervisor who's relatively young. So I think like the numerical odds of him being more like open-minded and left-leaning were just higher on the basis of his age. But you know, it can happen from any age. But I think as a result, I spent more time just kind of like looking for other people and looking for either representation or community. So my experience has been more of one of like looking for visibility 
so to speak. And that's kind of why I really wanted to do that LGBTQ and STEM panel uh, at Pride Week to kind of broaden that connection to the rest of campus because I had kind of found the people in my own little university bubble and wanted to expand a little bit from there. But yeah, that's kind of like my experience of being queer, which like inextricably does intersect with my experience of also being Black. Yeah, absolutely. That is a big thing of people that like don't present as queer. Yeah, they don't they don't present as queer. They don't present as like part of the norm, quote unquote, right? So yeah, it's really interesting to kind of like think about that in the sense of like, like people don't know you're queer just looking at you. And that's a, that's the case for a lot of people of like, I mean, eventually people will find out and what happens then? <laughs> what are some other challenges within your past so far, being in your master's, being an undergrad and being black? Like where, like, have you experienced any major challenges within there and how did you overcome them? I think mainly the biggest challenges that I've really been facing is more of kind of the experience of trying to be something that I can't see. Because I think as someone who has various intersections of identity, I've always been able to, I guess, relate to people incompletely. And that's always been like a running theme kind of throughout my life of like, I can relate to like people in the Black Graduate Students Association because they are Black and doing grad studies, but not many of them are queer or going into um, queer spaces, whether they be on campus or in the broader city of Edmonton, is affirming, but they don't necessarily like work in the same field as me, or they might not be Black either, or like seeking out other resources in the community like that are dedicated towards uh, Black people. Uh, you're at risk of homophobia in some spaces because a lot of members of the Black community are not necessarily as accepting uh, to us LGBTQ people. So I think like the main challenge that I've faced kind of throughout most of life is to decide like when is it safe for me to come out or disclose that I am a member of the queer community or when is it okay for me to like seek out um, this certain space or when is it okay for me to like be, I guess, vocal about the more invisible parts of my identity or when entering like queer spaces, will I feel welcomed as a black person or entering spaces in science where there's still, I think, in a lot of fields, a bit of a stigma associated with speaking about quote unquote political issues in a scientific space because they don't believe that they can relate. And I think it's demonstrably false, but a lot of people do hold that belief. And I think in the current field that I'm in, that's very um, kind of more technical. We're really like deep into a cell. We're looking at individual like proteins and enzymes. It's easy to think like, oh, like this has no bearing on our field. Like we don't even look beyond a cell. Like why does this matter? But it does matter because when you go to conferences or you go present your work at different meetings, even now in COVID, we're all doing it over Zoom, uh, people are surprised when they see someone of 
your skin tone giving a talk at a conference. Like um, one of the main like protein societies did a big talk last year about uh, a bunch of protein scientists and talking about their experiences being black protein scientists. And there was a professor from Caltech who spoke and he spoke about the fact that for some of his students, he was the only black professor that they would ever have in their entire careers and how that can be kind of an alienating experience. And and that's in the United States where the population is, I think like 13% black or something in a country like Canada, we're about 4% black. And that's an element of like a visible minority. So adding to being queer where you might not necessarily be very open or vocal about it for safety reasons or for even just comfortability reasons, it's even harder to be able to visualize yourself kind of past the hurdle of student life and actually being in a career and being 100% yourself and seeing yourself thriving. But there are people out there, if you look hard enough, there are people out there thriving. And if you shoot them emails, they will respond to you and they will be very nice. <laughs> so it's, all is not lost. <laughs> yeah, that's always a big thing of like, people will respond to you. People do want other people to mentor. They, they want, most people I find in academia are willing to share their knowledge with someone that's just starting in their field or that is like them that is like them in, in any aspect of othering, I guess, or any aspect of that intersectionality to be like, yeah, I'm also like you. And this is, this is like the path that I took and seeing someone that has already done that is so important in any othered group, I guess, like non, yeah, non, not people who can sit into the norm type thing. Mm-hmm, for sure. So delving deeper into mentorship, can you tell us about any experiences you've had with mentorship in terms of like a more direct formal mentorship experience uh actually in 2019 i participated in the wiser mentorship program and did a mentorship trio uh with an undergraduate student and a working professional and happenstance queer people always find each other he was a queer person who's working at the university of alberta he's no longer here but we miss him dearly (laughs) And that was a very great experience to be able to see like someone who kind of wears that energy on his sleeve and is able to thrive in his work environment. And he was able to really impart some lessons on how to navigate that workplace environment while not being like hush hush about your identity, like being able to be open and proud about it while still being able to succeed in professional environments. So that was Uh, super pivotal to me as well. So I think mentorship can happen in very formal capacities like a mentorship program, but also informally from like the TA from your lab in undergrad, or even just like someone that you watch on the internet do can serve as mentorship. And I think that's becoming more and more popular. There's a lot of people making videos on YouTube and stuff that I think are able to serve as kind of a virtual mentor to people nowadays as well. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's really cool. And it's like being in contact with the mentor from from Wiser, that would have been really interesting to kind of like casually 
not necessarily casually, but casually run into another queer person to look up to type thing. But yeah, thank you for that. I guess with that, kind of along the same the same lines, with having a mentor and having someone to look up to, and um, in the sense of having someone to look up to, having a mentor and someone who is proud to be out, proud to be who they are. Why, like, in your opinion, why do you think that's that's important? And like, what kind of place is there with, especially within STEM? I think it's important because it shows that you belong in a STEM field when you see someone who is able to be very open um, about their identities and is able to thrive in their work environments. It kind of establishes a standard that you can be queer and you can thrive in a STEM field and you don't have to be like you don't have to be in the closet for your entire career in order to achieve opportunities and achieve success I think they talk about we talk about biology as being like one of the softer sciences so I think like I definitely don't have any real negative experiences correlated to my queer identity. But for a lot of industry fields, it is a real thing that uh, people need to navigate. And it's a real aspect of whether uh, something that someone has to consider in terms of like professionalism is like, is being out and queer something that will affect how people view me in terms of being a professional person, like is talking about queerness a professional issue or is it fine? Like, and having people who are open about their identities kind of sets the standard for this is fine. You can be queer, you can thrive, you can be a scientist and still maintain space for your identity as a queer person as well. Like it's not one or the other. And I think that also establishes that like if you see, for example, if, if you're applying to jobs in a STEM field and you know that there is someone who is queer who works at like a certain company that's inspiring to and inviting as like a queer job applicant to apply for a job at that place because you know, okay, if there is another queer person who's working in that company and is happy at that company, that means that it's a welcoming environment for me. It's not going to be like a toxic workplace for me. I'm not going to potentially be on the receiving end of any sort of homophobia or harassment, which is something that I need to think about, unfortunately. And so having like people who are out and proud really like uh, brings in like more queer talent to some degree as well and kind of further perpetuates the positive workplace like culture in a lot of fields as well like even just within like my own lab environments like I'm not I think off the top of my head there's maybe like five or so um queer graduate students in my department we are all within the same two labs and I can't think that that's a coincidence like that can't be a coincidence like, I think we saw something in the lab environment and thought, yep, this is where I want to be. Like, this is where I will be happiest. So I think that is pretty pervasive in, like, all fields that sort of have one and then the rest will come. 
Yeah, absolutely. No, thank you for that. I, I completely, completely agree in that sense. With that as well, do you have a recommendation um, in the sense of building a more welcoming environment for queer people? Um, in, in the STEM communities, we talked about like like having having mentors, having people already there. Like, do you see any holes so far or gaps to to have that more welcoming environment? As someone who is non-binary, I find that a lot of I guess like queer inclusivity that tends to happen in the STEM space really focuses on. Um, inclusivity of people's sexualities and not necessarily of genders so a lot of opportunities are still unfortunately like very gendered in the binary like there's obviously a very very important push for um, advancement of women in STEM but as someone who kind of exists outside of the binary I find that for me a little bit alienating and sometimes um, uh, a lot of fields will just do like a women asterisk for like women and uh, people of other gender minorities so that's a little bit uh, interesting and I feel like it's a conversation that in maybe in more like kind of I guess uh, more fields where there are uh, like a higher like amount of queer people is like discussions that have already kind of advanced and moved past that point. But in biology, it seems to be a little bit slower still. And even just in like a couple of little things, like when you apply for like fellowships or scholarships, sometimes they make you like disclose your gender and you wonder like, does this actually matter? Do you need to know if I'm a woman or a man to evaluate whether or not my research proposal is fine? Like there's kind of little elements like that. But I think in terms of uh, kind of day-to-day -day, like lab environment or work environment to be more inclusive, I think the easiest step for an ally would be to be vocal about the standards of the spaces that they occupy, whether that be if they are the PI of a lab putting up on their lab website like a little like disclaimer or like a little statement of like recruitments, like for a lot of labs when they have um website recruitments for like, oh, we're looking for graduate students, like having a statement like underneath about like what your space values as a lab like do you value people like of all genders of all sexualities of all abilities to apply for this position in your lab if you have that statement written out in your lab that will bring forth people who might have like looked past the posting initially just because they see like oh like this is going to be a safe environment for me like oh now I'm gonna consider doing graduate studies like in this lab or now I'm going to consider applying for a summer research position in this lab. So like, I think that's the easiest thing that now I can do is being very uh, point blank and very transparent about the values that they place in their space. And then I think in terms of maybe furthering, I guess, <laughs> not maybe not furthering the queer agenda in STEM, but like furthering the um, representation of uh, queer people in STEM is like if you work, for example, at a company, like 
highlighting the queer members of your workforce who are comfortable with uh, being highlighted uh, about the work that they're doing and showing that like there are queer people who work here and they enjoy this work environment and we would love to have more uh, queer people join our team and showing that they are like valued members of the workplace and not people who work here and just happen to also be queer. Like those two facets of their identity can coexist and be an asset to the team, I think is something that we could be doing to like further inclusion. Yeah, absolutely. I've never thought about uh, having that statement in a recruitment website. Like, I mean, in the sense of, of recruiting for a job, but in, in sense of recruiting for, for a research team, that would be, yeah, that would be really, really cool to see. You're right. Having that statement in the first place would like draw those people in and like make them not just glance over it, not just kind of pass over it. Yeah, that would, that would definitely be, I think, beneficial for any PI or supervisor looking to be a productive ally. So yeah, that's a really good recommendation. <laughs> I guess with the last question, if you were to give your younger self a piece of advice, what would it be? To not be as afraid to seize opportunities as I would have been. So I think when I was in my early undergrad, I think I passed up on a lot of opportunities that I could have been taking advantage of because I was kind of in my own head about um, feeling qualified for these opportunities because imposter syndrome is terrible. Uh, and so I think like, I felt like, oh, I, like, I'm not qualified enough to do this position or like, I'm not qualified enough to like apply for this job or this scholarship. So I think I like screened myself out for a lot of opportunities going into uh, my undergrad. And I think if I could just sit down, sit down with Luam of three years ago, like I would tell them, hey, like, just apply for this scholarship, apply for this job. The worst they can say is no. So reach out and seize those opportunities. And then when you do get there, try your best to keep your head above water and try to find like-minded people wherever you end up because those like-minded people will keep you sane and will provide safety in numbers if something ever goes awry as well. I hope that through this episode, our listeners were able to learn something new, pick up some interesting facts, or felt inspired. To help grow our reach, we'd love if you could share this episode with your friends. Make sure to stay in the know about our Wisest STEM podcast by listening and subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to stay updated on programs that Wisest offers, subscribe to our monthly e-newsletter, or by following us on social media at Wisest U Alberta. You can find all that information in the description. That's it for now. Tune into our next episode, which will be released in August.